theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. So what I'm going to do today is a little different. Uh, I wrestled with this to a degree, but I felt so strongly that God gave me this word. Um, I want to continue the kingdom series that I've been preaching. Last week I preached the church defined, and I'm going to preach part two of that message today. And so this will not necessarily be Father uh, Day specific, but I do believe it will help the church where we are and what God is doing. So are you ready to dive in? Let's open up our Bibles or our Bible apps. Let's stand as we get ready to read the word of the Lord. And as you get that Bible or that Bible app ready, open up that Bible app on your phone or your tablet, whatever you've got. Praise God. If you got your physical Bible with you, get it open, hold it up, put it up in the air. Repeat after me. This is the word of God. These, this, excuse me, is the governing document of the kingdom. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. If you believe that, give Jesus praise. Praise God. Okay, let's look at it. Matthew 16. We were there last time. Let's go Matthew 16. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Praise God. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Praise God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I want to preach this thought, the church defined. Would you help me pray before you're seated? Father, we love you. We're so thankful for your presence in this place. I thank you that you have granted us the authority to preach the message of the kingdom of Christ here in Mississauga and the greater Toronto Hamilton area. I praise you that as we preach this message, that there's going to be a manifestation of the message and that your kingdom is going to be demonstrated in us and through us for your glory. I thank you for the alignment and I thank you for those that are here today. We celebrate you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands unto Jesus? Amen. You may be seated in his presence. I mentioned this last week, and I'll just kind of take about five to ten minutes to try to recap what I believe, uh, what I preached this past Sunday. So I do want to tell you, if you really want to unpack this, I want to encourage you, jump back in, visit us on our YouTube uh, channel, and you can listen to last week's message. But I do want to say that I am thankful to be a part of the family of God. 
I must have to, maybe I need to preach just to this side over here. Praise God. I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God because the family of God transcends so much foolishness. How many of you understand that the world is really good at dividing one another? As a matter of fact, the world is good at devouring one another. But in the church, specifically the body of Christ, everybody belongs. Everybody is valued. Everybody is safe. Everybody is loved. And you belong and you are a part of the family of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Yes, I want to be in his presence, but I also want to be with his people. I'm thankful to connect with the people of God. I'm glad to be a part of the family of God where politics isn't infiltrating and dividing, where economics isn't undoing and undermining relationships, where people can love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, build one another up. Notice you and I are here for one another. We are here not for ourselves. We're not here to consume, but we're here to contribute and make a difference. I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God. Praise God. I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God. And the kingdom of God is a great place to find your place. So I want you to know that no matter how many people are sitting in this room today, they might be thinking church is not for them and the church has hurt you, but, and people in the church hurt you. But I want you to know that the church of Jesus Christ should be a loving people and a loving place. Should be a loving people and a, a loving place. Are we perfect? No, this is why we say no perfect people allowed. And let me just tell you right now, if you... Let me just help you. If you allowed every relationship to not go beyond somebody hurting you, you'd be in trouble. I'd be in trouble too because we would have been done a long time ago. <laughs> out. She said, I'd be out. I'd be out on the street. Praise God. No, my point is that hurt and defense and misunderstandings are going to happen in the natural course of a relationship because we're human. But I'll tell you what, your commitment to one another, the love for one another, the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that we extend toward one another is what sustains us and strengthens us. We are beautifully broken together. We're beautifully broken together, and it's okay. We're in this together. We have one another's back. We should be fiercely loyal to one another. I want you to know, his also, I said this, his kingdom is the place where you are going to grow and flourish. It's the will of God that you grow and flourish. It's the will of God that you prosper. I'm not talking about in a material sense, though God's got that covered too. But God wants you to thrive. This is why he wants all of us to experience the extraordinary life that he died for us to have. I am convinced that if we will get into alignment with the kingdom, we will experience the kingdom's manifestation of his power in this season. But we've got to say, not your will, excuse me, not my will, but your will be done in our lives. I've been praying, God, help us, help us to get a revelation of the kingdom and help us to begin to understand that our idea of church is really not the idea that Jesus had in mind at all. See, our idea about church sometimes is in direct conflict and contradiction with the idea that Jesus had about us when he established his kingdom on earth. 
If I'm convinced of anything, it is that sometimes as I read the word of God and I see what Christ intended for the people of God to become, I look at the current state of where we are as the people of God and there is a great gulf, a great separation in what he declared and what we are now demonstrating. But I believe that we're here to see a kingdom manifested in the natural and people are going to see revival and we're going to give him praise. I believe that. I really do. And it's not because I'm anything special. When I declare that we're the fastest growing church in Canada, I believe that. I celebrate that we had three baptisms this past Sunday. I celebrate what God is doing. I'm believing and declaring that we're going to see 50 people receive the Spirit this year. And we're going to see 50 people be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Alvin. I believe that. Thank you, Jordan. I believe that God is doing it. We will be revival to this lost and broken world. And the reality of it is, it's not because you and I are so cool. It's not because of slick marketing gimmicks. It's not because of marketing gimmicks at all. It's not because of social media and the effective things or ineffective things that we're doing. It's because of the Christ in us. It's the God in us that's making a difference. The Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency may be not of us, but may be of him, Jesus Christ. And so what we're talking about is if you remember... One of the things that I mentioned last week is uh, the church is not in a moral crisis or a financial crisis. The church is in a, somebody out there was listening, praise God, an identity crisis. Church is in an identity crisis, praise God, praise God. So, didn't I say that at one o'clock? Praise God, no. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> The church is in an identity crisis, and a lot of times we don't understand who we are. Let me explain. I'll give you just one example. You remember the children of Israel. Well, before then, they, before they were the children of Israel, uh, Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers, and he ends up in Egypt, and God keeps him and sustains him, and he grows, and he flourishes in what are very oppressive circumstances. Uh, maybe I need to say that again. You can grow during a global pandemic. As a matter of fact, God can elevate you to the viceroy or vice president in a global pandemic. He can take your business and elevate it. To, he can take your ministry and elevate it. He can take your finances, your influence. God can do all of that in the midst of a global pandemic. And so God does this in Josh, uh, Joseph's life. And in Joseph's life, uh, he has great relationship with Pharaoh and Pharaoh has uh, great favor. He shares great favor with Joseph. And what's amazing is the next Pharaoh in line doesn't know Joseph. So literally Joseph and his family come in, but they leave. A family comes in, but they leave as a nation. But what's interesting is that Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph and uh, didn't know his family looks out at the people of God and he tells them, he tells his viceroy and all of his leadership, he says, if we don't do something, they're greater in number than we are and they're mightier than we are. So let's put them in slavery. And as a matter of fact, they made the work doubly hard. Isn't it interesting that in that very moment, if they would have understood who they were, they would not have found themselves subject to the enemy right there. Can I tell you, you need to know you're stronger than you think you are. 
COVID didn't take you out, praise God. I was talking with somebody earlier today. That car accident didn't take you out because God's got purpose on your life. God is trying to use you. This economic hardship didn't take you out. That relationship didn't take you out. God who is rich in mercy, God who is rich in love has got purpose on your life. Praise God. And so then we talked about, we've been talking about the kingdom for the last little bit. There's four things that have to be present in the kingdom. The first thing is, if you're going to have a kingdom, you have to have a king. You have to have a king. Our king was not elected king. Our king was not voted in king. He is the king of kings. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the alpha and omega. He is the great I am. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the wheel in the middle of a wheel. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the prince of peace. He is the only person who walked on water as if it was concrete and spoke to the winds and told it to be still. Our God is a God who has no limitations in his power. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He's not only able to heal cancer, he cares that can heal a headache. I'm telling you, our God is God all by himself. And if you know who he is, you ought to give him praise. His name is Jesus. He is the lover of my soul. He's the bishop of my soul. He's the great physician. He's my provider and he's my way maker. The next thing is, number two, there has to be a territory. So number one, there's a king. Number two, there's a territory. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Praise God. Mississauga belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Brampton belongs to the Lord. Praise God. I'm telling you, the virtual space out there belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Milton belongs to him. Scarborough belongs to him. Toronto belongs to him. I'm declaring that this property belongs to him. Praise God. So we got a king. We got a kingdom. Okay. Now we have, we have land. We have a territory. Number three, you have to have governing documents. You have to have governing documents, okay? You have to have your charter of rights, if you will. The Bible, this is why the Bible is so important that you be able to get into the word of God. And then the fourth thing is you have to have citizens of the kingdom, okay? You can't have a kingdom without kingdom, uh, without a citizen. So, when we get to Matthew 16, now this is really interesting. I want you to stick with me here for just a moment because here's, it's not going to get deep, but I just don't want to lose anybody. They're having this dialogue, and the reason why Jesus is having this dialogue with his disciples, he's asking them, who do people say that I am? And some are like, man, you know, you're Elias, and you're Jeremiah, and you're a prophet. And the reason why he's asking them this is because you have to, before you can know who you are in Christ, you have to know who Christ is in you. you yes, thank you for the amen, baby. You have to know who Jesus Christ is. Praise God. See, the revelation of who you are in Christ can never first come until you know who Christ is in you. See, now, so Jesus is interacting, and when Simon has this revelation, he says, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus responds and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Now, this is crazy, but if you look this up, Simon uh, Bar-Jonah. Bar is a prefix, son of Jonah, son of Jonah. Jonah, if you look it up, the etymology of it, the meaning of it in the Old Testament is a dove. Now, what's interesting is this. Jonah, of course, we know preached to a nation that produced, and the whole entire nation repented. It's amazing. Can you imagine me or anybody, for that matter, preaching to Canada and all of Canada repenting before God? This is what Jonah did. Now, Jonah means dove. And so the first time, we've talked about this before, the, the scripture, uh, there's a principle called the first, the first mention principle or the mention of first. So another time, in other words, whenever you read something for the first time in scripture, it carries a different relevance, a different level of engagement. It should hit different. It should just, it should hit us different. And the first time we read about a dove in scripture is with Genesis and it's with Noah. Now, God has re repented that he ever made man and a flood comes and it destroys every living creature. And here's what's interesting. The Bible tells us that in order for uh, Noah to test the land, Noah sent out a raven to see if there was land. But because there was nowhere for the uh, bird to perch or nest, it returned. He then sent a dove. It returned. He sent another dove. She found somewhere to land and did not return. And here's what this means. God shows Noah through the dove that his family had a future. And that his patience was going to be rewarded. I want you to know when Peter gets the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, God and Jesus looks at him, God in the flesh, and says, Peter, you've got it. You just stepped into the revelation. I am telling you that he was saying you have a future because he was saying upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to know in Jesus Christ, you do have a future. You don't have a future in your retirement plan. You don't have a future in your entrepreneurial efforts. You don't have a future in your academics. I'm not minimizing any of those things. But only what you do for Christ will last. I'm here to tell you your future is in him. He said rejoice for your name is written in the Lamb book of life. In the Lamb's book of life. I rejoice that one day I'm going to be with him forever. I'm telling you he's coming back and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. You need to read your Bible because that's what it says. I'm telling you we will walk on streets of gold. There'll be no more tears, no more heartache, no more sorrow, no more disaster I'm telling you I'm excited because he's preparing a place for us we have a future and nothing you can do can disqualify I'm here to tell you God's not intimidated by your mess by your mistakes by your habits by your sin he came to rescue you to give you a future what a God who wouldn't serve a God like him Praise God. So listen, now, here, this is why you got to get into the word. Because how many, how many of you all have, <laughs> this will make sense. How many of you have read the Bible before? Okay. And then how many of you really begin to read your Bible? I remember the first time I was trying to read the Bible. Man, I was so, I was so committed. I was trying, and I was like, oh, this is not making any sense. I don't know what I'm reading. 
And then it was in Old English, and I was like, I don't speak Old English. And then I was like, well, I was like, I'm just going to lay my face down for a second. Maybe when I wake up, it'll, it'll hit me, praise God. I remember, I remember falling asleep. My face was like this right in the Bible. And it was stuck to my face too, praise God. I said, Lord, you got to help me out, Jesus. I said, Lord, help me. I want to fan the flame. Give me a desire to know your word. Open my understanding. And he did begin to do that. I'm telling you, when that began to happen, as God is my witness, I prayed that prayer, and I remember reading about Joseph. I was thinking, oh, my God, Jaden, they're coming for me. I felt like it was, I felt like, I felt like I'd been thrown in the pit. I was thirsty. I was like, Lord Jesus, my throat is getting parched. Why? Because it became alive to me. I'm thankful. Praise God. You need to know. I'm thankful. I know more than just book Jesus. I'm thankful for the day that the man I read about jumped off these pages and is more than just black letters on a white page. His spirit began to do a work in my life. We need the word because it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You need the word of God in your life. I want to encourage you for a moment. You need to open up your Bible and see what God has to say. I'm trying to encourage you to let you know that everything you need is in this book. It's the only information that will bring about a transformation in your life. I know what y'all think. Y'all probably think, y'all probably, I, I get it, I get it. You think, well, you're the pastor. So you think angels just come and wake me up, whisper in my ear, pick me up, deliver me to my kitchen table with my bacon, eggs, and hash browns, just like I like it. They open up my Bible and give me all the revelation that I need. No, 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 that's not how it happens in my day. But I'll tell you what happens in my day. There's sometimes when I get up, I'm thirsty for the word. There's other times where I have to say, I'm not going to check my Facebook Messenger. I'm not going to check my Instagram. I'm not going to check ESPN.com. I'm not going to look at everything else, but I'm going to discipline myself to read the Word of God. Can I tell you, you need to discipline yourself to read the Word of God because discipline is what sustains and brings about devotion. <laughs> Praise God. We need the Word in our life. We need a relationship with the Word of God. It speaks to me. It opens up my blind eyes. It reads my mail. I'm telling you how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Praise God. It's the discipline that leads to devotion. So here we go. We're jumping in. Are y'all ready? Guess not. Okay. I need you to catch this. Praise God. So let me just make sure one more time. Y'all ready? Okay. Praise God. Peter, upon this rock, upon this revelation, I'll build my church. I'll build my church. I'll build my church. I'll build my church. This, this, what I'm talking about is the citizenship. It's one word. Don't miss it. It's the citizenship of the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, once you look at your neighbor, tell him, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. Praise God. Okay. Smile with them. Smile at them beneath the mask. Praise God. Tell them I'm a citizen of the kingdom. Okay. Here it is. That word, that word, when you look at it in Matthew 15, okay, excuse me, Matthew 16, verse 18. And Jesus says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. If you look it up in the Greek, that word is ekklesia. 
ecclesia, okay? I want you just to, I know you, you, you can't circle that unless you have a physical Bible, but you should highlight it. You, need, you might even want to scratch out the word church and maybe write ecclesia, E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A, okay? Ecclesia, and here's what's important about the ecclesia. I'm going to try to fix something here for just a moment because here's what we do. We, the people of God, have constructed, and hear me, and developed a definition that I'm not sure Jesus had in mind when he birthed and decided that he would build the church. So here's what we think about when we think about church. When we think about church, some of us think, oh, I got to put on my Sunday, Sunday best. Some of us, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Some of you put more thought into your outfit today than you did about pursuing Jesus Christ. Some of you thought more about what you're going to wear, how you're going to look, and how cute you're going to be, and who's going to see me, and blah, 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 and haven't given one single thought about pursuing God. Don't get mad at me. But then others think, hey, three songs, a cute sermon, and then we go home. There's others, you know, we're a young church plant. Praise God. God's moving, but one day we're going to have a choir. One day we're going to have a choir. And you know what? And some of y'all, praise God, some of y'all have been in church for a little bit. You know what choirs look like. And the choir might come up from the back and they just. And then, you know, one day we might have an organ. Praise God. And praise God. One day we're going to have a building. One day we're going to have campuses all over the place anyway. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. But you know what? That's what you're used to. The choir coming in and you're like, oh, the choir about to sing. The choir. That's what church is. I mean, that's what. I mean, I know. I know. You know, the choir, they hit it. You know, the altos, sopranos or sopranos go first in altos. And then they like the tennis. And you're like, oh, man, here the tennis about to sing. That's what. I get it. I get it. We got elders, eldering, and we got deacons, deaconing, and we got ushers, ushering. Praise God. That's what some of us are used to. That's what we think church is. Some of us grew up and thought that what we went to every Sunday afternoon was the total expression and definition of the church. But can I tell you, that's not what Jesus Christ had in mind. See, I'm not trying to tell you that being together is not important. In fact, Hebrew tells us that as much, we need to get together as much as possible as the day of the Lord is approaching. <laughs> so being together and coming together is very important. But what we do when we come together and who we are and when we leave the gathering is really important. See, what we have made church into is a 90-minute convenient pit stop on Sunday. That's right, baby. We have created a concept of the church that fits into a 90-minute block on Sunday afternoon. And if you're really radical for Jesus, you might show up on Wednesday night. I don't want anybody to get mad. Let me just push around. I'm going to give, my, I'm going to give Midweek Bible Connections a free advertisement. We do have church on Wednesdays at 730. And I'm not here to beat you up because I know you're probably thinking, man, I'm tired. I work all day and I'm not telling you that you are not tired. I'm not telling you to dismiss yourself. But what I am telling you is the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
I'm telling you right now, sleep won't strengthen you. Rest won't strengthen you. More money in your bank account won't strengthen you. I'm telling you that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you get into the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And at his right hands, there are pleasure forevermore. You have to get into his presence because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Somebody needs to pray. God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. If you're weak, we need his joy. If you're confused, you need his joy. Hopeless, you need his joy. Don't know if you're going to make it, you need his joy. His joy will get you through the toughest storm. His joy will straighten up your back, square your shoulders, plant your feet, and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Somebody give him praise this afternoon. Somebody give him worship. Hallelujah. So I, I want to encourage you. Can I just praise God? I know this is Father's Day and I don't want to beat up my dads because I'm thankful for our dads and our father-like figures. But I do want to encourage you and just tell you, make your Wednesday nights a discipline. I'm going to just play pastor for a minute. Make Wednesday night a priority. Make Sundays a priority. There's, 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 there's nothing more important. You make family devotion a priority. You make your own devotion a, a priority. You need to connect in the presence of Jesus Christ. He is, he is our magnificent obsession. And you need a discipline. You need a disciplined approach in developing your walk with God and sustaining your walk with God. And so be there on Sundays, Wednesdays. Praise God. I'm going to throw this one in there for free. If you got young people, they need to be a part of the youth ministry. If you got children, you got babies, they need to be a part of the children's ministry. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. All right. So, oh, thank you, Jesus. That was for free. The ecclesia. Now, we've developed. See, what we've done is we've developed a concept that fits our 90-minute block on Sunday afternoon. And it's not at all what Jesus had in mind. When Jesus said upon this rock, I'll build my church, that word church in the Greek, okay, is ekklesia. Ekklesia is not a word that Jesus invented. I want you to hear me. In fact, when Jesus said it in Matthew 16, verse 15, upon this rock, I'll build my ekklesia. At that point, what he said, that word was 600 years old. He didn't invent the term. He didn't invent the term. He actually reached into Roman operation and Athenian operation, and he borrowed the word from the Romans to describe what he was going to do with his own kingdom. Praise God. The ecclesia was the way that the people of Rome is how they transformed a territory. See, Rome was the most powerful kingdom in its day. They would literally, here's what Rome would do. They would literally go into a city, ravage the city, overtake the city, destroy everything in the city. And then what they would do is set up Roman life. Now, how did they do that? The first thing they did when they defeated and conquered a city, they sent a Roman, are you ready for this? Apostle. 
the word apostle isn't original to Jesus. Rome had apostles. Rome would send an apostle to a conquered city for one purpose, to make that conquered city look like Rome who sent it. Do you understand that now? I want you to let that sink in. They would go into a conquered city. They would send an apostle there for the express purpose of making that city look like Rome. And the way that they transformed the city is they would literally, don't miss this, they would appoint a curacao. Oh, goodness. A curacao. The Greek calls it in Luke chapter 9, the preacher. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them the power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all that was done by him and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead and some said that Elijah had appeared and by others that the old one of the old prophets had risen again Herod said John I had beheaded in other words I thought I took care of this but who is this of whom I hear such things so he sought to see him see when the Romans conquered another city they went in preaching in Roman days the Carasso the preacher was called the town crier. <sighs> People want to know, Pastor Kill, why you got to be so loud? Why can't you whisper? Because I'm on an assignment. Oh my God. I wish to God we could get this in our spirit. I'm here to declare the kingdom of God is here. I'm here to declare the kingdom of God is here. I'm here to declare the kingdom of God is here. I'm here to declare hope is here. I'm here to declare joy is here. I'm here to declare love is here. I'm here to declare the kingdom of God is here. There is joy in the kingdom. There is hope in the kingdom. There is peace in the kingdom. Praise God. Somebody bless him. See, here's what I, I want you to get this. See, the apostle would come. He would come to set up the Roman way of living in the city. And in order to get the people to come here, what the apostle had to say, they would send out this town crier. And the town crier went throughout the streets of the conquered city. And he said, we're getting ready to have a meeting. Come to the meeting. We want you to hear what's getting ready to go down. And check this out. And the ecclesia was the group of people who heard the town crier and said, we got to get to the center of the city to hear what the apostle has to say. <sighs> Please don't miss this. When Jesus said, upon this rock of revelation, I will build my 
ecclesia. What he was saying was, I'm going to have my own apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. I'm going to send them to cities that I have conquered by my cross and my blood. And it's going to be their responsibility to establish that city, the kind of kingdom from whence they were born. I'm going to shout on that one. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. I'm not here today preaching my kingdom because my kingdom is not my oh, I'm here to preach his kingdom because of his kingdom I have new life. I was dead. Jesus saved me and now that I've tasted of the kingdom of God my assignment on this earth is to go into a city he called me to preach and declare until this city we call home Mississauga the city we call home Toronto Scarborough, Milton, Brampton until it looks like the city from which we were born the kingdom of heaven why cry out against racism because there is no racism in the kingdom of God why cry out against division because there is no division in the kingdom of God why cry out against hate because there is no hate in the kingdom of God the kingdom the kingdom I feel the Holy Ghost praise God feel like he's stretching us praise God and I want us to take a moment and just begin to worship him oh I feel the Holy Ghost so strong thank you Jesus I want us to begin to just tap into what God is doing because I feel like something is being established in the spirit this is something that's been culminating for me for three and a half years this is not just a sermon this is just not a casual declaration I'm not able to unpack all of this, but I need you to know there's something powerful happening in the spirit. And I need us to tap into that in the name of Jesus. Come on, even if you don't even know how to pray, you can just begin to call on the name of Jesus Christ. You can just begin to say, Jesus, Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I need you. Come on, I'm releasing the gift of faith in this house right now in the name of Jesus. God, I'm praying in the name of the Lord. Send your angels to minister, O oh Lord God. I'm releasing in the name of Jesus the gifts of the Spirit, God. Let there be a word of wisdom, God. Let there be a word of prophecy. Let there be a tongue and an interpretation that would build up your people and speak clearly in this hour, God. I'm believing that and I'm declaring it in the name of Jesus Christ. See, here's what I want you to understand. You got to get this. When Paul was called an apostle, it wasn't because he was the best looking preacher. It's because he had a message to the Gentiles. A message that no one had ever preached to them before. And that is the grace of God is now available to you. Praise God. <laughs> he was being sent. Why do you think he was willing? He suffered. He was beaten. Shivering. Without food. Lost at sea. Why? Because I've got to let him know the kingdom of God is here. Why do I got to call out this pharisaical attitude in my brother Peter? Because I got to let them know there's a new kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. This is what Paul was sent to do. 
you might be thinking, well, I'm not Paul. You're a messenger. I'm here to tell you, you know what? Your workspace is his space. Wherever you work, you're the town crier. The kingdom of God is here. 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 And you might be uncomfortable opening up your mouth. That's okay. Let your life, the life that you live, preach loud enough where you don't have to say one single word. Praise God. And can I tell you in love, praise God. If we would just fix our face half the time, people might know that we love them and we care for them. If we would just be willing to get the attention off of us and listen to somebody for a moment and be compassionate and say, it's not about me, it's about us. But here's what we do. We come in, everybody talking about their problems, everybody complaining about this, that, and the third. And then you start complaining. And what's worse is you start complaining about the church. You start talking about your brothers and sisters in the church. But yet, then you want to tell them church is the answer? God help us. I'm crying. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. So listen, listen. I want you to know, if you're considering being a part of this church family, this is really important. You need to understand this. We know what our assignment is. If you intend to take me to lunch and tell me what you think our assignment should be, you came too late. I've already heard from the Lord. See, the call has gone out. He told me. I wish this, this, this means so much to me. When I first came here to Mississauga, and the first time we had, we had, it was in February. We were preaching, just my family, we had come. And I said, God, I need a word. I need a word. And I didn't, I had sermons to preach. I don't, I'm not, I mean, this is what I do for a living. I'm able to, you know, I, I don't know how many sermons I have in my three, four thousand probably. I don't know. It's just ridiculous thoughts. But I wanted a, thus saith the Lord. And I didn't have anything. So I was getting nervous. And I was getting really nervous. My stomach was starting to get upset. I was getting what I call bubble guts. Because I was like, oh, God, I don't have a word. And I remember going to the washroom. I was like, I need to talk. I was like, my, my conversation with Jesus was getting real. But the Lord spoke very clearly to me right there. He said, I have, it's like he snapped me to attention. He said, I have issued a call. And he showed me this first vision I've ever had where I saw from the highest elevated point in Mississauga, the greater Toronto area. And he said, if you will let me, my spirit will lead you to people who are willing to abandon all for my kingdom. Recently, as God is getting us into alignment, and literally, when we first came here, I know now we got like over, we got almost 230 people that consider Extraordinary Church to be home and come and they come and getting back acclimated and integrated. But I can remember when we first came, Joyce corrected me because I was like, you know, there were 22 voting members. She was like, there were 19. She just told me, I said, praise God, get me straight. It wasn't 22, it was 19. 
she had the tally, the, the balance, I don't know. So, but you know what? That first day we showed up, we had 65 people. We had people showing up that said, God told me to get off the bus. Didn't even know where the church was, when we were having church. They knocked on every door to this campus to try to get in. <laughs> God was sending them like that. I recently, so I had this call. I was talking with a friend of mine, and God just began to move on the call. I could feel the Spirit of God. We just began to weep in His presence. And then my friend began to, to prophesy. And as he prophesied some remarkable things, at the conclusion of that, God gave me very clear direction. He said, son, I want you to go into every center part of the city. I want you to hear me. This is what he said. And he said, I want you to declare and agree. Praise God. So I thought to myself, why am I doing that? Because I'm the town crier. The kingdom of God is here. I'm coming to Brampton. The kingdom of God is here. I'm coming to Scarborough. The kingdom of God is here. I'm coming to Milton. The kingdom of God is here. I've already been to Mississauga, but I will be going back. The kingdom of God is here. I'm going to Oakville. The kingdom of God is here. I'm going to Milton and I'm going to Hamilton. I'm going to Burlington. The kingdom of God is here. I'm going dead smack in the middle of Toronto. I'm going to open up my mouth and declare the kingdom of God is here. I'm coming to Barrie. I'm coming to Brantford. I'm coming to declare the kingdom of God is here. And if you believe that, you ought to give God praise. You ought to stand with me, straighten up your shoulders, open up your mouth and say, the kingdom of God is here. Praise God. When you go on the job, the kingdom of God is here. When you're on your campus, the kingdom of God is here. When you walk in your house, the kingdom of God is here. I'm going to preach it here. Here's what you got to understand. See, the Lord already told me. He said, Akil, you got to get some people that are going to agree with you. Let me tell you, we've told you all this. This is so important. I want you to hear me. If you want to get anything done in the spirit, you need to learn. It's faith, declaration, and agreement. Anybody who tells you one person can get something done, they don't know what they're talking about. You might get something done. But it ain't going to be a lot. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. And a threefold cold is not easily broken. This is why where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them. See, you need somebody to open up your mouth and agree with you. And agree with you. The Lord told me, I wasn't sure why, but then he revealed to me, he said, I, he told me, I want you to take certain people with you. And I was like, okay, I get it, God. And then he revealed this to me, because these people are going to agree with me. We're going to go into those cinder cities, and we're going to begin to cry out, the kingdom of God is here. And their agreement is going to establish something. Their agreement is going to bind something. We are going to bind what, oh my God, whatever we bind on earth, whatever we lose, I'm telling you, we have the authority. 
I'm telling you through Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary, he has already conquered every principality, every foe, every realm. The Bible says things above earth, on earth, and beneath the earth are subject to his lordship. So we are going to go into these territories and begin to cry out like the town crier because he sent us. The kingdom of God is here. Praise God. Man, you know what, Sarah? I didn't even realize this. God told me this. You know why I've been praying? God send. Send us extraordinary leaders. That's why y'all are here. You sent. God have mercy. I'm in the Holy Ghost. That's exactly why God sent y'all. Because I prayed. I prayed more about sending people than I could raising them up. I said, God, send us extraordinary leaders. Send us extraordinary worshipers. Send us extraordinary givers. I'm telling you, that's why God sent us Deborah, because she's an extraordinary leader. I'm telling you, that's why God sent us Isabella, because she's an extraordinary leader. I'm telling you, I said, God, send us. Send us. And you know what? Isn't it interesting that when you're being sent, you'll sacrifice ask her how long she drive to church all of that's the truth Deborah praise God Jasmine and Stephen Isabella ask them how far they drive to church they don't care you know what they've been sent the, I, I'm nobody I'm nobody but if you ask some folks what the situation we came out of and other opportunities that we were entertaining and people said you you, you going like you going where it's like ministry suicide not when you've been sent not when you've been sent I'm going to preach this thing I'm going to declare this thing until I walk out of my back porch one day and the city I live in looks like the kingdom from whence I'm come. And there's love and joy and peace. I'm going to see it come to pass in Jesus' name. Where it looks like heaven on earth. Where people love one another. Where there's great joy and gladness. This is why Jesus said, pray. And this is why I've been praying. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So watch this. This Caruso. Here's what they would do. In the Greek, they're preaching. They go crying in the streets, going to the center of the city, saying, Rome has instruction. Come hear the good news that Rome has. Now, here's what I need you to understand. See? The, the ecclesia is the group of people who have heard the call to come hear what heaven has to say. Those that are called out, come hear what heaven has to say. So here, they do three things. They do three things. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The first thing that would be established by this apostle and town crier is they would establish the governmental platform of authority. Of authority. You ready for this? That meeting was the parliament. They were the monarch, the senate, and the house of commons. For us Americans, the Congress, that's who that was. 
See, I'm getting ready to help somebody today. You have to stop living life like you're a minority and understand that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Heaven will not ignore our decree or declaration. I'm telling you, things will change too. The second thing they would establish, a military strategy. It's 415. Oh my word. Jesus, I'm so sorry. Praise God. I'm going to let you all out of here. The second thing they would preach is military strategy. And the third thing they would preach is they would decide civil referendum. You know what that is? It literally means that the ecclesia was responsible for improving the quality of life for its citizens. You are the salt of the earth. You are, oh my God, you are the church. You are, you have been set upon a hill that cannot be hid. We are here to add value to others. There ought to be a difference in the GTA chain because we are in business. If they close the doors of Extraordinary Church tomorrow, would the community feel it? I want to operate in such a kingdom demonstration that if we weren't here next week, our city would say, Where, where'd they go? Where'd Extraordinary Church go? Where did those people go? Those loving people, those gracious people, those powerful people, where did they go? Those multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-racial people, those compassionate people, those life-changing people, those ordinary people that experienced extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Where? Where did they go? Praise God. See, I can't treat this just like it's a job. I'd do it for free if I have to. If I had to. Matter of fact, I said it. I did it for free for 11 years. Praise God. But God has called us. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. You know what the Lord told me? I have it all written down right here. Praise God. You can see my, my notes. Praise God. All that chicken. Well, you probably wouldn't be able to read the chicken scratch. Sarah's like, nope. But you know what? I got one thing that I, I didn't say that the Lord gave me today. Or last night, actually. I'm going to say it. It's for you. Praise God. You need to get ready. <laughs> but you know what the Lord told me, church? The core of the church is expanding. Let me explain to you. There's five concentric circles. I've taught this often here at Extraordinary Church. There's the community. Just consider that like the crust. How many of you like the crust of the pie? The crust, praise God. That crust be blessing me, yes. That made Douglas get up. I feel you, bro. That crust, I know. That crust just, that crust just do something to you, praise God. That pie y'all brought over, I need some more of that in my life, praise God. They brought me some apple pie. That crust, everything was out of this world, praise God. I need that again. That crust, Douglas, yes. See, that community, that's the, that, that's the crust. And then you got people that are part of the crowd. They just kind of show up every once in a while to stick their head in. Good to see you, Pastor Kill. It's good to see you. We love you. Praise God. We see, we'll see you again. Sometimes it won't be for a month or two, but we'll see you again when we see you. We're not mad. But then there's congregational. 
those people you see a little bit more often you see them more often than not they're probably serving in a ministry and then you got people who are committed they're developing spiritual disciplines and they're serving and probably on a dream team making a difference and then you get to the core those people are going to serve God and love God no matter what come hella high water they're going to tithe right in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm talking about some. They come into church on Wednesday, Sunday. They're going to be at prayer meeting. They're going to worship. It'll make an difference. The core, God is expanding. The core of extraordinary church. See, the core is expanding. And our identity, you know why? Because the core is expanding, our identity is no longer just in extraordinary church it's in the kingdom of God praise God praise God I want us to begin to just worship the Lord I'm so thankful for the presence of the Lord that I feel praise God thank you Jesus we bless you and we give you praise thanks for listening to our podcast Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.